Good afternoon and welcome back to Midday Magazine for Thursday, March 9th. I'm Shelby Herbert reporting for KFSK. Petersburg School Board met this week to address a near million dollar deficit in the upcoming fiscal year budget. The board is building a budget for next year. And to keep up with regular programming, they'll need up to a million dollars to cover the shortfall from the last fiscal year. This year's expenditures were $800,000 over the district's revenue. They took that money from the district's savings account, which leaves the district without their usual financial cushion. School Board President Sarah Holmgrain says it's time for a major adjustment, starting by seeking more help from the borough. The local contribution hasn't moved at all in 20 plus years. We've been able to offset that with grants and COVID money, yet everything costs more. There was a drop off in enrollment during the pandemic, so the district relied on the state's hold harmless provision. That three year provision was started to help Alaska schools make up for lower enrollment. Now the district is in its final year of support. The district also received federal relief funding during the pandemic, but Superintendent Erica Klutpainer says that money was eaten up by utility bills. We've tried to be conservative. We've tried to be careful and cautious. We don't want to be going and asking for money that we don't need. We're trying to be aware of the community budget issues as well. And we're just, it's just maxed out. with Ending the whole harmless, ending the federal dollars, and then just the astronomical expenses that we're paying for heating, fuel, and electricity. Right now, the school board doesn't know how much funding the district will get from the borough or the state. Administrators have gone to Juneau to petition lawmakers to increase the base student allocation. That's money the district receives from the state for each student. And it has remained flat for the last six years. Administrators have also encouraged Petersburg families to contact legislators to support increasing student funding. If Petersburg schools can't clear the million-dollar deficit, their final option is to reduce programming. The district has to report their budget to the state by July 15th. Governor Mike Dunleavy announced a bill on Tuesday that would increase the amount of parental permission needed to teach sex education and would require school districts to separate student locker room and bathroom facilities by biological sex rather than gender identity. If passed by the legislature, students would need their parents' permission before taking a sex education class or joining a club related to gender or sexuality. There should never be a case where a parent sends their kids to school and the child comes back um, having discussions about things they learned in school that may be a sensitive issue or an affront to a a parent's values. The bill would require school districts to divide locker rooms and restrooms by gender assigned at birth. Parents would also need to give written permission for students to change their names or pronouns at school. Anchorage Democratic Senator Luki Tobin chairs the Senate Education Committee. She says the bill could increase feelings of isolation among LGBTQ students. They are probably our most vulnerable young people. And in many cases, their public school is the safest place for them. It's where the trusted adult that sees them for who they are. 
Uh, it's where they can go by their correct name and their correct pronouns and where they get to be a kid. Dunleavy denied that the bill targets queer and trans youth. Instead, he said, it's meant to strengthen parental rights and to increase transparency in schools. This isn't targeting anybody. This is really reaffirming parental rights and that the parents of these children have a right to know um, what their children are doing in school, what topics are being taught. Dunleavy also introduced a bill to increase teacher recruitment and retainment by giving full-time teachers an annual payment for the next three years. Payments could be 5000 10000 or 15000 depending on the district, with the highest payments going to teachers in the most remote areas. Alaska's state agencies are in the midst of an employment crisis, struggling to incentivize new hires and retain staff they already have. A report last year estimated one in five state jobs is vacant. A new bill introduced in the state Senate last week aims to address the shortage with a revamped retirement system. The current defined contribution, or 401k-style plan, leaves employees to manage their own retirement accounts, account investments. Analysts say under this system, employees shoulder all the risk and often don't end up saving enough. Employees were not earning enough through the defined contribution plan to actually retire with enough savings to support themselves. That's Senator Kathy Giesel, an Anchorage Republican who introduced the new bill. Her bill would return public employees to a pension plan that would guarantee set payments upon retirement. There won't be a financial evaluation of how much the new bill costs the state until it's gone through the committee process. But Giesel says she expects it will be, quote, very affordable. If we can more effectively retain our state employees, keep those skilled people in their jobs, it makes a huge cost savings for the state. And not only that, it serves the Alaska public much better. One of the ways lawmakers are proposing to keep the new pension system lean is by not offering health benefits upon retirement. Jeff Casper, business manager for the Alaska Public Employees Association, says that's not ideal, but returning to a pension plan has been the union's number one goal. Anything's probably better than what state employees have right now. Giesel's bill has to move through two committees before it gets to the Senate floor. It will likely face an uphill battle in the conservative majority House, but... Giesel says she's hopeful she and other proponents will be able to rally support. A majority of Sitkins think the rapid increase in tourism last summer made the community a less desirable place to live. Or at least that's the feeling of a majority of respondents of a graduate study conducted in the height of the cruise season last August. As Robert Woolsey reports from Sitka, collecting data on the impact of tourism is a matter of numbers and of perceptions. 
Priya Gandhi and Samantha Matthews are students at the Pardee Rand Graduate School of Public Policy in Santa Monica, California. They were the project leaders for a social science study last August to understand how Sitkins perceived the dramatic increase in summer visitation and how it affected their sense of well-being. Unlike more casual surveys, this project tried to tease out nuances. For example, Sitkins can appreciate the increase in sales tax revenue derived from visitors, but can be frustrated by the increased congestion. And Priya Gandhi says the timing of the survey was a factor. This is kind of a snapshot into how community members were feeling at that very moment in which they engaged with our our efforts. But, you know, there's certainly um, uh, lots of other potential changes, both, you know, in terms of tourism and the visitor industry, in terms of Sitka's planning and, and responses, all that might feed into what um, you know, differences in, in these numbers could look like one way or the other in the future. The survey results are revealing. 87% of respondents reported being impacted by tourism in 2022. 63% of respondents felt the uptick in tourism made Sitka a less desirable place to live. Sitka underwent significant short-term planning measures to accommodate the roughly 400,000 cruise visitors last summer, around double the typical number of visitors in any previous year. On the busiest days, the main street downtown was closed to traffic, large toilet trailers were parked in less-than-ideal locations, and cafes and restaurants struggled to meet the out-of-proportion demand. Still, it wasn't all bad. Samantha Matthews says Sitkins felt the yin and yang of the town's surge in economic activity. A lot of our data show that these trade-offs that people are, are facing with increased tourism. And so, you know, a lot of folks talked about the, the economic benefits, the tax revenue that the city would receive and things like that. But then, there, you know, there's concerns around, you know, equity concerns around the economic benefits of tourism and, you know, where would that tax revenue go? So I think some of our recommendations were really just around making that process transparent um, so that community members are able to be a part of that process and, and know, um, kind of know where, where the economic benefits of tourism are going and making it so that those um, benefits are more equitably distributed. The full study is called the 2022 Community Assessment on the Increased Impacts of Tourism in Sitka. It's 28 pages long with another 29 pages of appendices. It's the kind of social study where opinions matter and the words of respondents come through as much as the data. One Sitkin wrote, I believe there are economic benefits for our community due to increased tourism, but it's still unclear if that means all residents will feel financial relief like decreased utility rates or if only the residents who work in tourism will feel the financial rewards. Gandhi says this type of response can help inform policy as much as hard numbers. Um, it was really our aim to to help create sort of that point-in-time opportunity for the community to share their uh, real-time reflections with us, um, their insights and uh, their suggestions, so that we could then take stock of that and, and sort of aggregate it and share it with different individuals and organizations who might be interested um, in thinking through this you know, potential issue of increased tourism further. The assessment doesn't really say what to do next. It has a raft of suggestions offered by survey respondents on housing density, transportation, the environment, and so on. But this is information for policymakers rather than direction. 
Gandhi says the rest is up to Sitka. Sitka has such a, a collaborative spirit, and、um, we can't emphasize enough just how important and valuable we think that is in the community coming together to address any issue、um, it might be facing currently or in the future that it feels. Um, is affecting sort of individuals' opportunities to thrive,、um, which is really how we are defining well-being. Matthews is considering the tourism assessment as a basis for her doctoral research. Sitka may eventually adapt to the increase in tourism. Attitudes could soften toward the industry or harden. She would like to find out. This could be something that could be very interesting to to repeatedly do each summer and and see how things evolve. Sitka is anticipating possibly an additional one hundred thousand more cruise visitors in twenty twenty three than in twenty twenty two. The first ship scheduled to arrive is the Brilliance of the Seas on April twenty fifth. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Pharmacy giant Walgreens is going back on a decision to offer the abortion pill mifepristone in Alaska, following pushback from the state's attorney general and 19 others nationwide. Abortion pills are still available through medical providers, but as Riley Board reports from the Kenai Peninsula. Doctors say Walgreens' decision could create new barriers and increase stigma. In January, the FDA approved the abortion pill mifepristone for retail in pharmacies like Walgreens, which announced shortly after that it would offer the pills in stores and by mail. There are 11 Walgreens locations in Alaska, including one in Soldotna. But now the company is taking that back. In their letter, Alaska Attorney General Treg Taylor and the other Republican attorneys general urged Walgreens not to sell the abortion pill by mail and threatened legal action. The pharmacy chain agreed yesterday to not offer the drug in Alaska or the other objecting states. Abortion is legal in Alaska, unlike several of the other states that signed on. Dr. Robin Holmes is a Homer-based family medicine physician who specializes in reproductive health care. And as a fellow with Physicians for Reproductive Health, she says Alaska's landscape creates unique challenges for abortion access, and that the announcement from Walgreens could have repercussions even in communities where the company does not have stores. Many, many remote places that may be off the road system, or even some communities on the road system, only have access to medications. Through the mail, and that can be provided by many of these large chains. Holmes says, despite the language of the letter, the pill is a safe and well-researched option. In 2021, it was the second most common method of abortion in Alaska. She says, as it stands, Alaskans seeking the pill now have to get it through a healthcare provider at a clinic. What this was proposing, and what Walgreens has decided not to. Proceed with is that a prescriber could prescribe this pill, and you could go to the pharmacy and pick it up just like you could any other medication, like for your diabetes or your asthma. Holmes says going to a provider's office to get a pill can be hard in parts of Alaska with few doctors. She also worries the change sends a message about the role that politics can play in medical access in the state. Stigma. Plays a big role in access to reproductive health care in this state. So, what I'm worried about moving forward is that Walgreens changing their policies due to political pressure is going to further the dangerous stigma. 
In their letter, the attorneys general write that they see it as their responsibility to, quote, uphold the law and protect the health, safety and well-being of women and unborn children in our states. On Tuesday, a group of almost two dozen Alaska legislators shared a letter urging Walgreens to reconsider its decision. In Kenai, I'm Riley Board. Thank you for joining me for Midday Magazine. I'm Shelby Herbert, reporting for KFSK in Petersburg.